Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the McShin Foundation's award-winning recovery podcast, Get in the Herd. I am Nathan Mitchell. I am your host today, and I'm a person in sustained recovery from a substance use disorder. And I talk about that because, you know, we, we talk about recovery. We talk about recovering out loud. And this is the National Recovery Month, the 32nd annual National Recovery Month starting today. And so I brought in a couple of guys um, who I know from the recovery advocacy sphere to talk about what all of this means um, on the local, the state, the national level, and and really, I think, at the one-on-one level. So anyway, welcome to our guest today. We have Victor McKenzie. He is a local guy, uh, Victor McKenzie Jr. He is the executive director for the Sarah Center here in Virginia. Uh, and we have Garrett Hayde. Garrett's an old, I think both of you have been on the show. Garrett's been on a couple of times. Um, Garrett is among, I don't even know what your title is over there, the Grand Poobah of Outreach and Recovery for Recovery Voices and Recovery Advocacy Project. I will let you both introduce yourselves. Uh, we'll go local first. Hey, Victor, welcome to the show. All right, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Um, once again, my name is Victor McKenzie, Executive Director of Sarah Virginia, Nathan. Sorry. No, we're statewide organization focused on advocacy, education, and support for individuals and families affected by substance use disorder. Um, and I'll pass it over to you, Garrett. Sure, thanks. And uh, grateful to be here. Uh, love Recovery Month. Um, again, my name is Garrett Haid, a person in long-term recovery since March 3rd, 2015. And uh, I'm the co-founder of The Voices Project, and uh, I'm also one of the founding members of the Recovery Advocacy Project, which is really just a network of individuals across the country um, looking to community organize at a state and local level and help bring uh, tools and trainings and resources to advocates like like both of you and everybody listening on this uh, podcast um, to just help us become a better, more organized constituency of consequence. And, and um, yeah, it's, it, it's a great thing to be part of. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Well, it's good to have you here. It's, it's, uh, we're doing things a little differently today. I'm not in the studio. I'm actually at my own house and it, it feels weird because I have these cans on and I, I don't hear my voice the same way. And so I like that because for me, Recovery means change, you know, and adapting and accommodating. And we see that, I see that in my own personal recovery as I learn to adapt and accommodate, you know, new ideas, um, you know, changes in attitudes. You know, I, I came here, you know, into recovery not fully formed as a man, not knowing how to, not knowing how to pay bills, not knowing how to, to drive legally, um, not knowing how to not use drugs. You know, that, that was one piece of it, but all the other parts that come along with it, you know, going to the doctor, getting my ears checked, that's my eye, my glasses updated. So as we adapt and accommodate in recovery, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking of how we've adapted and accommodated during this global pandemic of the COVID crisis, right? And 
there've been a lot of numbers and there's a lot of challenges that we can look at. You know, we look at a, a 31% or a, was a 29, 30% increase of overdoses across the country to 93,000 last year. We look at Virginia, which had a 41% increase to yeah. 2,308 people. And so, you know, I look at those numbers and, and I see challenges, but I, I know that from my recovery, my recovery teaches me that challenges are opportunities. And so I look at a couple things, you know, recovery means advocacy for me, but also I think about what those numbers would look like if we didn't have organizations like Sarah of Virginia, like Recovery Advocacy Project, Voices, you know, like, like the McShin Foundation. So welcome. Uh, good to see the both of you here. Um, talk about, if you would, you know, what does Recovery Month mean to you and how are we examining Recovery Month through the lens of this global pandemic? Anyone? <laughs> I'll let, I like the local idea going for it. I'll, I'll ah, it. It's a setup here. No, man. <laughs> it's, you know, I'm, I'm listening. First off, you know, always thank you. Just give appreciation for sharing your, your, you know, your walk and your story. And I was just kind of listening. And there was a couple of things that stood out and jumping back to Garrett is that, you know, how do we mobilize, right? Mm. Like, how do we as a collective share stories? And I always say, you know, you change the heart, then you can change the mind. And so I feel like that's something that like Sarah and some other advocacy organizations do really well is that they give a platform to that storytelling for individuals to kind of share their walk. And through that, then we can change legislation. Then we can change, demand more resources. Um, and so kind of bringing it back to recovery month, it's funny enough, man, this is recovery month number two that we've actually been in a pandemic. You know, last year, <clears throat> I think was a, a tough one for so many reasons. One is all the numbers are just, you know, in almost every category has gone up. And the challenges that COVID has presented is it thrusted people back into isolation. And I think for, you know, this is across the board, when it comes to recovery, it's a numbers game. You need to be connected to as many people in a positive way as possible. All of a sudden, you know, you look up one day and you can't go to your group. Uh, <laughs> you can't, you know, you can't even get on a bus to go somewhere. You have to stay down and you're just all of a sudden, once again, locked in with the things that just led you down, the, you know, um, the wrong path. And as we approach this second recovery month, I think we have better tools than we had last year. You know, we have more ways to stay connected with all of this virtual platform. Um, but with Delta happening, man, it looks like it's going back into the opposite direction. And when we were talking just before the show, just about like, all right, we have to limit foot traffic at our center. You know, how does that affect people? We just started getting back into the, the real rhythm of being connected. It's like, how do we, you know, how do we go backwards from there? And so I think Recovery Month is a prime time to talk about those challenges. You know, it's to me, it's every day, every week, every hour, we're always constantly talking about it. But for this one month, you know, folks really focus in on it. So how can we get the most stories out there? How can we get the most out of this? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, you know, I love everything you just talked about. But, and, you know, and it, and it has been incredibly tough, you know, 
rolling into the second one. And I, I think back to like my first recovery month and, and, and seeing the celebrations and people telling their stories, you know, you know, when I, I guess it would have been five years ago, probably. Um, I didn't know any of that existed. Right. Like I, 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 in my collective own personal recovery journey, I thought I had to be quiet and silent and just talk to the groups of people that I know and know me. Um, and, and I remember that like, the outpouring of emotion and love and connection that I was able to experience in my first year of recovery because finding advocacy, um, connecting with organizations, uh, community organizations where people were celebrating, I didn't know it existed. And so when I talk to people who are, you know, in their first year or the 2020 was in their first year, I'm like, I applaud you because mm -hmm. you've been, if you have been able to maintain recovery or, or even if you're struggling with it, but still are trying to, to uh, acclimate during this, this pandemic, um, I, I, my, really my hats are off to you because I just don't know what my life would have turned out like had I have had to go through this my first year. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, with I, I think Victor's point about like using this month as an amplification, as a platform, um, because in reality, why it's so important that, that we take this time in this month and organize and go to events and tell our stories um, is because collectively we have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and if we can sustain that power past September and throughout the year and continue to do it, hopefully one day, because if, if we look at the climate in every state across the country, but I'm sure I know you both see it, it's it, it, our nation really leaves, you know, like think about COVID, like the, the place is shutting down, um, you know, people not being able to get places, like who picked up the slack for our government? It was the recovery community organizations. It was the service providers. It was the peer mm -hmm. recovery support services. If there was a time that we have proved our worth, it has been in the last 18 months to two yep. years. And this is a time and this month is for, like, that's what we should be highlighting, um, telling us like, you need to fund these things because look what we did without any funding and picked up the slack. What would those numbers have looked like? And, and of course they are extremely high and it makes sense because of the pandemic and we've lost these connect, you know, our, our human connection, which is a solid foundation and recovery yeah. for anyone. Um, but like, this is the moment, this is our month to like amplify our voices and pick, you know, and amplify new advocates. It's one of the mm -hmm. things that, that's incredibly important. And, and you know, I, I love seeing Nathan on here uh, doing this, uh, you know, because I, I met Nathan two years ago and just to continue to talk mm -hmm. and talk and talk and talk about this. Like there is a whole generation of younger advocates wanting to get involved and wanting to do things. And, and you know, Recovery Month is a great time. It was for me to, to learn more about advocacy and to get involved. Absolutely. Well, you, like you said, the world is watching right now, you know, for no other reason than it's a, a, a national month to, to celebrate. And so it's like, while you have the mic, man, scream for everything you need. <laughs> everything. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Well, so it's great to have you both in this space uh, and to talk about this. I, I relate to, to, to everything you're saying. 
And Garrett, I, I appreciate you talking about the younger generation and 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 sort of tangentially including me in that. But I think I'm 10 years or 15 years older than you. But we'll we'll not that <laughs> younger in younger in advocacy. Oh, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I I love what you just said about telling our stories and 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 for me, I'm hearing you know, it's so important for me to continue to tell my story, but also empower others to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And and no more is that relevant to me than what just happened this morning. Uh, we had a, a candlelight vigil. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, a candlelight vigil last night here at the McShin Foundation. And our, our new women's program director, who has, she's, uh, I think she's close to three years in recovery. I've known her since she came to McShin. You know, I love the, I love that. You know, there's a continuity there. And she, while she's been here as a participant and a staff member, has experienced the loss of, 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 of a boyfriend to an overdose who just also happened to be my predecessor in my job, mm. which is very powerful to me, and, and then lost her sister to an overdose about a year later. And telling that story last night during the vigil was a was a powerful moment, you know, in, in in what were many, many powerful moments in a very powerful hour and 20 minutes. And she was on the front page of the of the of the Richmond Times dispatch this morning. And you know, I know she's getting oh she and you all know Dixie, Dixie Lewis. Uh she does the the women's the women's Wednesdays when we do those episodes, right? I love hearing her grow in recovery, but also grow in her advocacy and grow in, and getting more confident and comfortable telling that story, which connects with so many people. And so I love what y'all do. And I love that y'all have continued to empower people like me. Oh, Lydia, yeah, you know, Dixie, uh, empower people like me. And now it's time for us to continue to you know, empower the next person and the next person. So what are you guys doing? You folks, what are you folks doing for recovery month? How are you keeping your recovery for yourselves, and I know you know we all have recovery in different ways, right? Whether it's from a substance use disorder or a mental health disorder, or whether we're an advocate, uh, an ally. But what are you doing for yourselves, and what are you sharing with the world? National, <laughs> lead the way, lead the charge. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you know, it's uh, you know. <sighs> Definitely, there will be a few local things that are happening throughout the month in my state. And, and and uh, you know, again, COVID, we'll see what's virtual. We'll see what's in person. Um, uh, but, um, you know, at the end of the month, we will be having an in-person conference in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, specifically around community organizing in the advocacy world of the recovery community, um, which is called Mobilize Recovery, um, you know. Given that it's COVID time, we are going to have a much smaller in-person uh, attendance here, um, but we are also broadcasting it virtually, uh, and and it looks to be like there will be you know at least a thousand, if not more, people participating virtually this year, which is wow. amazing and wonderful. Yeah, we're really excited about it, um, and you know the, it goes back to just uh, you know if nothing else. And, and you, you both know this, but the recovery community is resilient, right? And mm -hmm. we learn to adapt. And, and when we had to switch into the virtual world, um, it opened opportunities for us to connect with one another through uh, across the country. And, 
and and uh, this conference is you know people in attendance and virtually will be representative of all 50 states in this country, um, and and it's to share resources, share ideas, um, and, and hopefully back to the point of training and empowering new recovery advocates or seasoned recovery advocates to take back the knowledge and tools and community organizing skills back into their local community. So whether that's for a local RCO or they are a treatment provider or work in the D how can we be better advocates and advocate for the things that our community needs? Um, and, you know, one of the, one of the really cool things that I think personally is that when I came into the advocacy world, um, I did it with a lot of national organizations, all doing amazing and tremendous and much needed work. Um, but sometimes that didn't always dictate down to the local needs of what I was experiencing in my community at the time. And those needs were only met when people from that community banded together and demanded change. Um, and, and that's kind of where I believe that um, the recovery community collectively has a lot of power, but we have to do it from the ground up and we have to do it together and we have to put aside what we disagree on and, 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 and advocate together on what we do agree on. So mobilized recovery is, is uh, hoping to bring uh, knowledge, tools, um, assets, trainings, resources, put it into a three-day conference, um, have leaders from other social justice movements who have successfully banded together and community organized for different needs in their communities yeah. and different issues, and then teach that to our community. Um, and then, uh, you know, Nate, we were talking about it before, um, but the, the last 18 months to two years has been especially tough, right? So what we wanted to do was to end recovery month with a huge celebration, celebrate the story, celebrate recovery, um, celebrate family members and, and harm reduction advocates and community organizers from across the country. So we will be um, hosting a concert that will uh, broadcast on September 30th, um, it's being uh, taped here in Las Vegas, but we'll broadcast worldwide on our iHeartMedia's um, uh, YouTube and uh, radio station channels. Um, and Macklemore and, and many others will be putting together probably about a two-hour con concert uh, to celebrate recovery. And, and uh, we, we hope that, you know, anyone listening um, or anybody, you know, interested in seeing what celebrating recovery looks like from any pathway, um, can do so they can tune in on September 30th and be part of that as a community together. Hmm. So Garrett, there's something that you mentioned about unifying, uh, around the causes that, that, well, I'm sorry, getting to getting behind the causes that unify us as a recovery community and not getting mired in the issues that splinter us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, I sit in a lot of different spaces. I know both of you sit in a lot of different spaces. And so we hear a lot of different things. And so if, if both of you would like to maybe touch on the things that unify us, I mean, we could talk about the differences too, but we got an hour, you know, <laughs> and I, and I really, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in that, which unifies us, pushes us forward. And, you know, we do have a lot of common ground. Um, so, and, and I have to, 
I'm sorry. I'm asking you guys a question and I'm continuing to talk. But, you know, I have to also stop myself sometimes, too, because I get in that siloed mindset fairly easily um, and want to push aside issues and think about things that maybe not everybody wants to think about. But mm. what do you all think about that? What I just said? Man, I think you're um, I think you're hitting the the nail, you know, with the hammer, whatever that expression is, right? <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. No, um, all jokes aside, uh, you, you're absolutely right with that. We can get lost so much on just the small differences without focusing so much on like what we do have in common, which is that you know we understand that. In order to sustain recovery, you need the resources. In order to get people into recovery and treatment, you need those resources then and there. I think, you know, McShane, um, as an organization, does a really great job of getting folks right then and there, meeting people where they are as soon as possible. And that's such a pivotal point because, you know, tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You know, we know in this space, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I, that's something that I just I really love about you guys as an organization and just that mindset. And I think that's something that we all collectively know, but everybody goes about it in a different way. Right. <laughs> um, you know, some people are like, all right, we've got to break up money to go towards prevention. And then we have to break it up this amount in treatment and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want people to stay alive. We want people to have prosper, you know, prosper in their life in recovery. That's what we want. And I feel like that right there leads the conversation, right? So that's yeah. just a macro, like a little macro I, view on it. it it's such a good, it, I mean, it, that idea, we all do want the same outcome, right? We don't want to continue to bury people we love um, from preventable, from a preventable, you know, issue that people are experiencing, right? And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the, the sad part is, is that, um, we fight amongst ourselves because resources aren't available. So, so when so many few resources are available, um, you have organization like the you know it's prevention, it's treatment, it's recovery. Like what? But what if prevention, treatment, and recovery could all just come together as one and go and be like, no, 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 no. We need equal playing field across the board. Net, you know, appropriate appropriate funding streams for for a issue you know nathan you said what you said ninety three thousand people like mm -hmm. at what point does this country as a whole say like ninety three thousand people and that number is low it's not counted um but at what point do our <laughs> state officials our state legislators our, our government state governments federal governments at what point do they say that's too much is it 100,000 people a year? Is it 150,000 people a year? Is it 200,000? I mean, how much more can we go without having the appropriate response? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in real fast, man. So I see such a parallel, right, between addiction and COVID, right? The same question you're asking, all right, how, what number is it enough? Like, what number just mobilizes our leaders that be in stakeholders to like bring the hammer down and just flood us with the funding, the resources we need, right? That's that, that was the conversation of what, what the last 18 months on every news channel, right? You'll see that number climbing. 
we've been seeing this for much longer <laughs> with addiction and overdosing. The only difference is, man, that moral aspect and that stigma you got to it, right? And it's like, there's no simple way to overcome that, right? I think it goes back to that storytelling, man. We're slowly shifting the narrative and saying, hey, addiction isn't a moral feeling. It's a complex and treatable disease, but we know a life of recovery is possible when we have the funding and resources we need right then and there. And I think as we start to change that conversation, we'll start to see the, the way the COVID went, right? All right, it's time to flood it. You know, vaccinations everywhere, um, screenings everywhere, testing, so on and so forth. That's that's all we're asking for. Yeah. It's to treat it like any other public health crisis. Yeah. yeah. One thing, another thing that stuck, uh, stuck out when you spoke, Garrett, about mobilized recovery was the, the, the bringing together of other social justice movements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of you know my background a little bit, listening, and maybe you both know a little bit, but 20 years ago, um, I had the opportunity when I lived in, in D.C., I worked with a national gay and lesbian, at the time it was the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, you know, and I, I did uh, membership coordination, and I, you know, I did pride outreach events and, and so forth, and at the time, I was in my early 20s, I was living in a big, well, relatively large city with a big booming gay population. I, I didn't really, I don't think I ever fully appreciated what the work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that comes into play in what I do now, but that's a, that's I'll leave that to my therapist. Um, but what I mean with that is I, I see a lot of parallels with where we were in the LGBTQIA or at that time, just the lesbian and gay movement 20 years ago and where we are now in terms of reducing stigma you know, mm-hmm. I, and, and in terms of, of of being acknowledged as 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 a constituency of consequence, being acknowledged as worthy, you know, and I think a lot of that shifting, you know, as far as you know, I recognized in my recovery that I hadn't got into that acceptance of myself as a person. And that's a that's there's the therapist and the sponsor thing right there, but and that that comes along, you know, now accepting who I am as a person, as a, as a gay man, but also as a person in recovery from a substance use disorder. Well, now I have freedom to be me, you know, um, but it took a long time to get to that point. And so reducing that stigma, demonstrating that recovery is possible and not only is recovery possible, but it's beautiful and there's hope and it can be fun. Um, I think is is where we were 20 years ago in the LGBTQIA plus movement. And, and I, I see the parallels. I see it moving faster. I'm, I'm a little new at this. I get that. What do you all see in terms of other civil rights movements and bringing together other social justice movements? Because I, I do think at the end of the day, you know, recovery is about self-identification and self-expression and self-actualization, self-realization, self-realization within a community. So thoughts? <laughs> um. You, you want to go local or national, Garrett? Oof. I, I, my, my, uh, uh, one of the, there's a lot of parallels. Um, one of the, 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 and this goes back to what we were talking about and what we agree on and what we don't agree on. And one of the, you know, uh, looking back at, um, the 20 plus years, uh, you know, fighting for gay marriage. It was one specific thing that everybody was banding together for. Not that it was the only right that was being fought for, um, but it was one 
that everyone came together, not just, you know, like equal rights. We want to have the same rights as any other um, people in this country. So we, again, have this tricky situation because in the recovery world, so much, so many things touch. So it's like justice reform, um, uh, harm reduction, you know, uh, family support. Like, and we're all so I, I talk to legislators all the time and they'll be they'll literally say it to us. They'll say, I don't know how to help you because I hear 20 different reasons from 20 different people every single day that you need this, 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 this. And that's because we don't coordinate. We don't organize. One, two, three or four people walking into their congressperson's office. They all have different ideas how to get to the same point. Um, and until we like band together and organize, um, in, in, you know, like you, you t there's proven methods of organizing. Um, mm -hmm. we just haven't really been doing it, uh, too well or, or not yet. I don't know what the answer is to that part, but, um, that there's some parallels, but there are some major differences. And I think that's where some of our, uh, roadblocks are, um, in getting to points like that. Um, that's if I well, if I could pop in here for a second, because there's something you mentioned when you mentioned same sex marriage and, and you're right towards the end when it sort of had an inevitability, especially after California and Proposition 8 went through, um, there was some galvanization around that issue. But 20 years ago, when Vermont became the first state to have uh, uh, civil unions, which were an, an equal but different, a separate but equal state, you know, status for individuals. That wasn't a galvanizing issue at the time. And, mm -hmm. and having been a part of the movement, you know, a lot of people said, let's not work on that. We're never going to get that. It'll be 50 years, 100 years before we have that equal footing. And a lot of people turn their back on that. And I, and I, I say that because I was there and listening. I was in those rooms. And I, I think the lesson there and what I take from it, from, from that experience there, is what is happening on the state levels with our state level recovery advocacy projects. And so, you know, one of the things that you all have been so great about teaching us is to find the issues at the grassroots level that we can all work together with and pick three or four of those issues and really hunker down into that. And I, I've taken that lesson from the past and from what y'all continue to teach. <coughs> Uh, for me personally, because, you know, I want to solve all the problems, too. And in my head, I see, OK, well, we got to get in the jails. We got to do this. And I can see 20 different things that we need to do right away. And it's just like my personal recovery. You know, I, I don't get up in the morning and suddenly pay all my bills and, and get on equal footing with all my relationships and, and all the things and everything's rosy. It's like one day at a time. And so I, I love that. And I just wanted to add that little bit of editorialization in there. Victor, the same question, man. Um, what do you think about that? Look, you forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of a civil rights movement, you know? No, man. Um, so there's a couple things that come to my mind, right? Not just like in the civil rights aspect of it, but think back to like mental health, right? How openly we talk about mental health right now it's you know i've been on like five panels in the last like two months just about mental health and how open we are i got a group chat with like a few of my buddies and every once in a while you know at least once a week hey man 
you know, how's your mental health? Did you take a day? I know it's stressful, so on and so forth. That openness in which we can talk, that wasn't there 20 years ago. That wasn't there 30 years ago. Heck, that probably wasn't even there 15 years ago, you know? And it's like, we want recovery to get to that same openness in which there's a platform that we can talk about it. Uh, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. The second thing is recovery is housing. Recovery is food access. Recovery is drug policy. Recovery are all these intersects that as a community, and I think something that Sarah does really well, is that we reach across the board to organizations and social justice organizations, criminal justice organizations who do work, housing organizations who do work in their respective spaces. And we say, hey, we understand what you're doing. You know, you got a health priority under here. You know, have you talked to the recovery community? How are you incorporating these aspects? And now all of a sudden, we're not just speaking with the voice of the recovery community. We're speaking with, you know, X, Y, and Z organization who does housing. And all of a sudden, our voice grows and it's louder. And so, you know, a legislator's like, God damn it. Every time I talk to somebody, they bringing it up, right? Maybe I do need to do something about this. And I think that's an approach that we have taken. Um, I definitely think that's something that's unique for um at least in, in the state, um, as far as organizations going about it. And that's what we're focusing on is like, how can we band together those intersects and push forth like our message and our priorities? And jumping back to what you're saying, Nathan, you know, like here, at least in Virginia, there's a clear three, you know, three priorities that we should all have and we all work on because there's like 17 different working groups and commissions. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the same people at the table we just stand up, take one hat off, put the other hat on and sit back down and it's a new group, you know? So we're all talking about the same thing. It's just that everybody, instead of wanting what's best, they just want their piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna be honest about that. That's, that's the sense I get from it is that, you know, it doesn't always mean monetarily, but you know, maybe somebody wants their name on it, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that slows progress, right? If you're in it and you are, you know, like you're committed and your goal is to push recovery, it is to push, you know, treatment and resources and the betterment of life for individuals, man, all of that other bull job don't matter. I did just one because when we talk, I just want to just I love what you said, because it is the truth. Um, Piece of the pie does not have to be money. It could just be your name on something. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, one of the, you know, and. The way the, the way you're talking about describing like that is bridge building and community organizing It's reaching out to the other justice and other or home, people serving the homeless population or food scarcity or whatever it may be. It's like we have intersections here. How can we help you? And that's one of the things that I always am talking to advocates. Uh, you know, I, I was on um, I think one of our one of our uh, other Florida, I think it was. But they were like, well, should we do an event? Blah, blah, blah. Around all of it. I was like. No, just reach out to the the health organization right down the street from you because I know that they're working on something right now and just see how you can help them. We don't That's need it. your name on it. You don't need <clears throat> it. Get the recovery community to help that organization bring, you know, open more food pantries or help people with rides to job interviews or whatever it may be. And if we continue to, that is how you build a sustainable recovery movement which is like in every aspect of every piece that affects every member of the recovery community, housing, justice, harm, and, and that is how, like that is a perfect way that I, I think in at least my six years and, and, you know, Victor, the way you're describing it, it's few and far between 
Um, and it's usually grassroots community organizations who are doing things like that. Yeah. And, and we need more of that throughout the country. And that's how we'll build an organized movement. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's almost by necessity, right? Like we only have so much capacity. You can't recreate the will every time you have a great idea. Chances are there's an organization already doing the work. Like how can you amplify it? How can you you know, give the two cents and like your support to it to make sure it's headed in the right direction. But man, case in point, I pulled up um, on, uh, it was a, like an affordable housing coalition group or something like that. You know, hey, my name is Vic. I'm here with the Substance Abuse and Addiction Recovery Alliance, Sarah, Virginia, not Sarah. It's like, great, great. You know, like, well, you know, hey, we're, we're talking about affordable housing. We're not quite talking about, you know, recovery residents so on and so forth. It's like, hey, that's fine. No. But you know, when somebody leaves a recovery residence, where are they gonna go? They still need a affordable housing, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Cool, all right now. Let's get talking then, you know? <laughs> and it's that you know, a little bit of audacity, but you have to draw the line sometimes for folks because recovery doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? It yeah, it's a center anchored part of your life, but it's not the only thing. You have all of these other outside factors that, you know, I call the three AM questions, man. Where how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to, you know, where are you going to sleep at? Where are you going to work? And all of these things are direct triggers to your recovery. So it sounds like it's a good idea for recovery communities to be just as invested on those external things as they are and to just getting the resources in. Soapbox, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love, I love that. Uh, I, I love that. Um, you know, we could all come here and we talk about, you know, what we're doing nationally, locally, statewide. But I also think, you know, for me, advocacy starts when I get up in the morning, mm -hmm. you know, when when I do the right thing. You know, I get up and I make my bed. You know, I, I go to work, you know, whether whether I go to work, you know, I go to work in a, in a recovery community organization. But, you know, I go in about my day, you know, I, when I go to the gas station and I put gas in my car and I pay for it, you know, all the things that that make my existence in my life, you know, go forward. And so, you know, I, I go to work and to my job, you know, the next person I talk to, my advocacy is that the first person I talk to in the day is my first opportunity to be an advocate for recovery, whether that's paying a bill on, I keep talking about paying bills on time, but financial, you know, is a thing in recovery for me. Um, <laughs> you know, but whether it's having a, 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 a hopeful conversation with a new person in recovery, whether it's talking to a colleague about some challenges for the day ahead, or whether it's just kicking back and laughing with somebody, it's my first opportunity of the day, the first person I meet to be an advocate for recovery. And so I think about those moments every day when I'm with somebody, you know, how do I want to be an advocate of recovery, you know, for myself and for other people and, and, and show that recovery is possible. Um, and that helps me show up better in spaces. You know, I, 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 I wake up pretty angry. I don't know about y'all, but uh, you know, I, I have demons that are there from, you know, from my years and years of using that I, I worked through in my recovery. It's not like I got clean as they say in 12 steps and suddenly my life is amazing. No, there's a lot of work that goes with that. And that work is the tools that I learned from y'all, from other people in recovery, y'all, the Virginia is coming out of me from, from you folks uh, and, and other people in recovery who give me the benefit of 
the wisdom and the experience so that I could take that up and 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 take it, make a choice. Do I use this? Do I use that? Do I do I share this? Do I keep it to myself? And you know, most of the time, I'm, I'm going to take some suggestions and I'm going to share those suggestions. Yeah. So that's how I show up. How do you all show up in advocacy? I, I, I you know, aside from your jobs, obviously. Oh, me? Oh. Yeah, sorry, Garrett. Um, you know, I think one of the things that I've had to learn is that I am only as, you know, efficient or uh, successful as an advocate uh, as I am personally in my own recovery, right? So I, I have to take a, and and doing this type of work sometimes is ruling um, it can feel hopeless. It can feel thankless sometimes. Um, and, and that's just me being honest. So, um, usually when I'm feeling that way, that means that I need to do something for myself as in, in my own personal recovery, whether that, and it doesn't, you know, it could be, you know, showing up in my own personal recovery program, but it also could just be making sure I'm going to the gym or making sure I'm eating healthy, going to the chiropractor to, to, to make sure I'm adjusted correctly. Uh, but, um, you know, so I, I think we are only as effective as 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 we are well. And and I think that, you know, that that goes across the, the table to anybody who's involved in any advocacy work, whether you're you're in recovery advocacy, you know, uh, person recovery or a family member who has dealt with grief and trauma and loss. Um, you know, I, I, I think. That. I think for me to show up as an advocate or to show up to work or to show up for my family, um, I need to make sure that I'm okay too. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I had to learn and I had to learn balanced. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I tend to get a little uh, August, you know, September, I tend to go, 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 go. And then come October 1st, I might take like a little bit of a break. Um, but you know, I, I think that's an important piece is that to understand for me that while I work in this type of environment and um, I, I, I enjoy advocating for my community or those who don't have a platform or can't speak for themselves or, or, or just are unable to, um, advocacy is also not my entire life. And it's important that I do things. And I think and everybody who's involved in advocacy makes sure that they are taking care of their own personal health and well-being. And once that is accomplished or as best as it can be, that is when I feel the most efficient or uh, successful as a recovery advocate. And I hope that answered the question. Sure. Victor, how, how, how are you an advocate for, you know, for recovery outside of your job or how do I show up? Um, how do you show up? Exactly. Yeah, no. So I just echo everything that Garrett said. I'll sum it up. You can't pour from an empty cup, mm. you know, uh, just like Garrett, man, when I, when I get into it, especially when I first took over Sarah, you know, it was like teeth in, you know, 10 toes on the ground, hands, just, just going, 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 because you feel like there's always something to do and something, um, Mentor of uh, mine told me a few years ago, hey, there's always going to be work, right? 
no matter how much you get done today, there's always going to be work tomorrow. So find those moments to take a breath. Um, and it was something I've been more conscious of probably the last couple months because, man, that going, 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 it catches up with you. All of a sudden, it's a little harder to get up. You know, you're getting sick a little bit more. Um, you're not showing up. And for me, I know when I kind of hit my levels, I tend not to show up, right? Even though I might be there, I might not be there. And so when I notice that's happening, that's a time for me to all right, take a step back. And it's time to insert those uh, balances that Garrett talked about. All right, cool. You know, are you working out? What are you doing for you? That's when I get those text messages from my friends. You know, how's your mental health? You know, are you doing a check-in? You know, like, are you keeping up? Those sort of things. You know, for me, lately it's been golf. You know, like, hey, man, can, can I get a can I get a game in on a weekend? And I have a two-year-old, so it's a little hard sometimes. <laughs> just, you know, I'll take it with me. But just being mindful and conscious of that, because like Gary said, it's not something you take on and you take off, right? You you can't turn it on and turn it off, but it's not it's not all that you are as, as a person and what you do, and that, and that's kind of hard to like to walk the balance of, right? It's like, all right, man, I'm just hanging out. Oh, I see somebody who can be probably be helpful to the organization and to the community. Let me go talk to them, right? It, it's, mm -hmm. it's Sunday at two o'clock. We at you know we at brunch, <laughs> but that's that's how it is. Like you know, you want to constantly share the message, but you have to make sure that you are a good vessel, meaning that you're taking care of yourself, that your cup is before you can pour into somebody else's before you can pour and we always you know we want everyone to show up as their best self because that's what's going to get things done like you know you i don't get up every day to be an executive director i get up to have impact right that mm. gets me up early that's what keeps me up late right to have impact to get this thing moving um so i just try to keep that in mind and just be mindful of making sure i'm taking care of myself man did I have my three meals? Did I get my chiropractor adjustment in? Did I get my round in, right? Because those things are for me. And I feel authentically me when I'm doing it. And when I get that, then I can be the best, you know, version of me for Sarah, for my employees, for the community, you know, for all the board, for all that other outside stuff. Mm-hmm. For for the wife who needs the help at the moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Just going. laughs> um, I wanna I wanna turn to the comments just for a second here. Uh, Debbie, uh, Debbie Rosenbaum, she is our uh, uh, the McShin Foundation chair of the board. Um, she she says, "Amen, Garrett." This is from earlier on, but I think uh, the comment's good. Our family was blessed with McShin, who not only educated our loved one, but also taught my husband and I about advocacy. RCOs have the ability to for long-term relationships. Also, the Anonymous People documentary is an amazing watch. So shout out to Debbie. On the Anonymous People, uh, you know, given that this is recovery month, if anybody's watching and has not seen that, um, watch it because I was in my very I was in my uh recovery residence five years ago and that ended and that where was it? It was on Amazon Prime or something like that. And uh mm -hmm. We watched it, and that was the moment that I was like, oh, my God, people talk about this outside of, like, sober livings and meetings. Mm -hmm. I, like, I had no idea, um, and it was a few weeks later that I was on the phone with, like, Greg Williams and Tom Coderre, and, and they were introducing me to the, the advocacy world. Um, it, it just an amazing, amazing film um, that if you haven't seen – 
or you're interested in seeing what the recovery advocacy movement looks like, started like, um, I recommend it for sure. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> uh, and of course, Dixie and Meg with the hearts up there. Uh, folks, um, yeah, I like that. Actually, Victor, when you're positioned the right way and you've got the, the what you call it, the guitar behind you, yeah. it almost gives you devil horns. <laughs> <laughs> like just like yeah, that. DC stuff here, man. I, I love it. I'm good. I'm good with you all, but um, we are we are coming close to the end of the hour here, and so I want to give you an opportunity both to share anything that maybe we haven't shared that you would like to include or add, uh, include or add, mm-hmm. being redundant, um, to include, uh, and then uh, I guess some final thoughts, whatever they might be. Sure, I'll kind of go. I'll jump back. You asked uh, earlier what are some of the things we're doing for Recovery Month, mm. um, which proves to be a little bit challenging now with that Delta surging. Um, and Garrett alluded to it earlier with in-person events. You know, this year we really wanted to try and um, partner with some organizations and some great folks just doing work across the Commonwealth here in Virginia, doing work in advocacy. Yes, excuse me, doing work in recovery. And so we had the opportunity to like subgrant some some funds for folks to do some recovery month related you know, activities, um, projects, giveaways, whatever that, you know, was authentic to that organization and their community. And so I just want to give a couple shout outs to them. You know, that's the Peer Recovery Connection, um, P Displace RVA, Roads to Recovery, Mental Health America, Virginia, Fredericksburg, and Loudon Serenity House. And so they're going to be doing some, you know, some awesome events throughout the month that if you go to our website and you look at our events, uh, you can kind of check those out. You can attend some of them if you like to travel. You know, one is in, you know, like five hours away. So <laughs> if you guys want to get into that, that'd be awesome. Um, we are we're also screening anonymous people. Uh, we are moving that. We were doing that down at the bird. But with Delta surging a little bit, I think we're going to reschedule. But that's something that we have at the top of our mind for the reasons both of you just mentioned. It just all of a sudden just thrust you into like, oh, shoot. There's a whole world. (laughs) There's a whole world of people talking about this. You know, how can I get involved? How can I see this a different way? How can we break down those stigma walls? And so something for us that is really interesting is that, you know, we also try to bring in community partners because, you know, we need them in order to change at a macro level. So just kind of wanted to give a shout out to some of our recovery month uh, things. We'll do a listening session. You know, you talked earlier about um, how do we engage more young people uh, or young advocates into like this world. And we launched our young people in recovery program, which is doing that, doing that work, um, partnering with YBN National. So cool. Thank you. I uh, love, I love, um, you know, people like a uh, listening session, you know, does that mean I come and listen to you, whoever you're bringing? I'm like, no, no, that's where people, you're the, you're the one speaking. And, and I, and I think it's a great way to not just young people, but, but com- anybody who has felt unheard, um, any marginalized communities that feel like they don't have a, like opening these discussions and seeing how we can all work together, um, there's a lot to learn. And, um, you know, I, I tip my hat to you, Victor, and all the work y'all doing uh, around this, uh, especially for your state. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, given recovery month is coming up, uh, you know, 
I, I highly encourage anybody, there will be updates um, if you're participating virtually or in person, but mobilizerecovery.org, you can continue to just go to that site. Um, I, I have, a, if we have a, a minute, um, some of the, they, we sent an email out today, but um, some of the things that we're going to be uh, featuring both in person and, and virtually, uh, introduction to relational organizing, understanding uh, relational and addiction advocacy, where uh, um, racialized trauma and pathways to mending our hearts and bodies, um, bridging harm reduction and classical recovery in the era of fentanyl poison drug supply, and then cultural humility in delivering recovery sur support services to the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, you know, those are just some of the ones that we sent out today that, that uh, we'll be discussing uh, at this conference, as well as the Monday night concert. So um, that is, you know, the concert itself, too. It's open to everyone. It'll, it'll be uh, live streamed, like I said, on iHeart's media channels. Um, it is for the community, is for people in recovery, for family members, for allies, um, for anyone who thinks... They might not have ever been touched by addiction in their life. They are still welcome to, to, to pop on and learn more. And I just, uh, I really encourage everyone, um, you know, Victor had mentioned in, in Virginia, but this is all over in every one of our communities. There are, um, you know, uh, uh, organizations working around food scarcity, organizations working around housing issues, organizations um, needing help, uh, you know, around people, leaving the criminal justice system, like mm -hmm. reach out to those other organizations, whether you work for, you know, a, a, an RCO or you work for a treatment provider, um, that is how you'll bridge gaps and build an organized constituency. And that is how legislators um, will start to listen. That is how funding will come down. You know, I, I always try to say like me personally, Garrett Haid, I'm very interested in justice reform and housing because those two things were interconnected in my life as I was mm -hmm. really struggling, right? But right. if somebody comes to me from another organization, it's like, hey, we are the recovery community here or the community in general is struggling and we need help getting, you know, uh, uh, food pantries opened or, or um, can somebody, yes. Uh, if, if so, I'm happy to lend my hand, even though that's not something that maybe I'm personally invested in at that moment, I know that that is a community that needs help at that moment. And I'm part of that community now. So I encourage anybody, whether you, you know, want to get involved in advocacy at any level, like reach out to who, like, what are you personally passionate about? Look around what's uh, available in your local area and get involved that way. And that's how you'll change things from the bottom up. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, Garrett, uh, just for anybody who's listening and not watching, I think the question you just answered there was from Debbie Rosenbaum. She says, uh, can someone attend virtually if they are working full time discussing mobilized recovery? So, so uh, uh, mobilized recovery, the conference itself, um, I'm pretty sure we have closed all registration. Um, the concert is completely open and will be live streamed. Um, woo -woo. Uh, so yeah, registration has been open for virtual attendance for the last three or four months and it closed on August 31st. So everybody who, uh, registered and is participating either in person or virtual, I, uh, look forward to seeing you, um, either in person or on the computer. 
Um, and if if you hadn't gotten a chance, please log in for the concert, which will be aired September 30th uh, at 7 p.m. I think Eastern. Um, and that is open to the public. Just it's a live stream. Awesome. Well, thank you again to our fantastic guests who are, you know, I, I'm quickly becoming good friends with both of y'all and appreciate your your advocacy, the work that you do, um, your commitment to increasing the access to recovery support services here in Virginia and nationally. So thank you to Victor McKenzie and to Garrett Hayde for being here today. Uh, thank you for everyone who watched and listened. Uh, thank you, Justin, for doing a freaking bang up job. All of us being remote today. I love it. I said freaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was. Oh, by the way, Victor, John, you know, John Schoenholzer, man, he has been a golf fiend lately. So you, I yeah. don't know if, if you've talked to him about that or not, but we I know a, we played around a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's always down to get on the, whatever you call that, the field, the links, right? Come on, come on. <laughs> Shut it off, Justin. Shut it off. <laughs> Shut it off. Uh, right here. Well, look, um, while we were talking today, our host, our, our excuse me, our guest for tomorrow has had to reschedule. So we'll play tomorrow by ear, but I just want to let everybody know it is recovery month. It's very exciting and we'll see you tomorrow. Don't know what the program's going to be yet, but I know we'll find something fun and exciting, you know, between now and then. Um, but I hope to see all of you again tomorrow. Happy recovery month. Thank you all. Take care. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Honesty Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Woo -woo. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShen, let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.